You're about to enter Nowhere, California. If you like what you hear, please search for us on iTunes. Uh, look at Nowhere, California, all one word. You can also find us on Facebook.com slash Nowhere, California. Please hit like. And as always, we are very hungry for your feedback. So if you have any requests or anything like that, please send your love, your hate, or your apathy to Nowhere underscore California at Yahoo.com. Hey, this is Josh. Uh, as you can tell by the title of this episode, it's another special Nowhere California. And of course, when it comes to another special Nowhere, Bill's usually nowhere to be seen. He has his reasons, so I have mine for doing this by myself. Anyways, we had the great opportunity to talk to the minds and the talent behind The Wolves of Sabin Hill. This is an interesting watch. It is a gritty, dark, intense drama about two best friends growing up and reconnecting after more tragic events in their life. I, that's the best way to sum it up without having to just throw everything on the floor for you guys right now because I, I can never do it justice. And there's only some people that can do it justice, the people that actually worked on the film. So without further ado, here's, our, here's my conversation with David Cooley, and he played Tom Gray in the movie The Wolves of Saban Hill. Okay, we are now uh, joined by David Cooley from The Wolves of Seven Hill. How you doing today, man? I'm outstanding. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, thanks for coming on, man. Uh, Wolves of Seven Hill was a very interesting watch for me. It was, like I've been telling you, it was a very intense watch, and I'm so glad to be able to talk to you about it because your character of Tom was uh, like a real solid point to this movie for me. Not a problem. Um, how did you come across the project for Wolves of Saban Hill? Well, I went to John. John and I have known each other a long time. And I went to John basically looking for some more tape for myself and something exciting, something different that I haven't done. And he had this project and he uh, put together and uh, worked his, his, uh, his tail off, let's say, politically correct, and, uh, and put together this project. And then together we... Sean Ireland on us, another producer, and the three of us got the cast together with this incredible, incredibly talented cast, really ridiculously talented cast across the board. And we just started shooting, you know, instead of waiting around like, well, who's going to give us some money? We just thought, let's just start shooting. That's definitely a good way to go at it. And like you said, the cast is a very awesome grouping. Um, I noticed in your IMDb listing that you have a lot of voiceover work. How would you compare uh, the, like, I guess, real-world acting to the sound booth? Um, I suppose the main difference is, uh, I mean, I enjoy them both tremendously. I enjoy on-camera maybe a little more, but only because I have more time to dive into it. The voiceover world is incredibly truthful. That's the one part about that people don't quite understand about voiceovers is if, if you have one crack, one lie, one one ounce of uh, unbelievability, it comes across. And so it's it's a very honest form of acting. It's uh, you really have to be in the moment and able to uh, convey whatever they're asking you to convey, and that's a lot of fun. The video game world, same way. Uh, you really have to find out who your character is. You can't just read the lines. You have to know who you are, where you're going, who you're fighting, who the enemy are, that kind of thing. And then the on-camera, what I love about that is you have a lot of time. You know, you have time to find out who he is. You have time to figure out who this character is, where he breathes, how he, uh, what his childhood was, what, uh, what prepared 
It looks that way. Like I said, uh, Tom was a very intense character. What stuck out to you in the script for this movie that made you go, you know what, I, I want in? He has an arc. It's an unexpected arc. Uh, very true. It <laughs> and I don't want to give anything away, but he definitely has a very interesting arc. Uh, his journey is really interesting to me. Uh, I like the interaction with uh, all of the other characters. Um, I think that's what it was, is that he really had an arc and that he nothing was thrown away for Tom. Everything that Tom, that my character did, there was a reason behind it. It wasn't just thrown away. Even a, even an insignificant, seemingly insignificant scene for my character was not. It was all sort of plotted and planned and, and um He's a very cerebral guy. He doesn't come off like that, but he's uh, much smarter than he seems, and I, I like that a lot. I love characters who have a secret. That's one of my favorite things to have is, is some sort of hidden agenda, something that you're not leaking, but is underneath, which comes out. That's definitely true. Tom did have a lot of uh, secrets and also levels to him. Uh, as this movie did, there was a lot of different levels to this movie, uh, how did you enjoy working on like the post-production aspect of linking everything together, like posting through the home video footage and the time frame jumps? That's John. I mean, John, hopefully John will be joining us soon. John is, how do I explain John? John, similar to Quentin Tarantino, is a master of cinema. He knows every movie ever made since the beginning of time, for heaven's sakes. The first time movies were, were put out, John was aware of what they were doing, how they were doing it, why they were doing it. And he has such a clever way of putting things together, linking things together in what I found, an unconventional way. And I found a much more interesting way that um, really keeps the viewer, uh, the audience, guessing, second guessing, trying to figure out who this is, who that is, what's his motivation here, what is he saying there, why is this happening here and not there, um, and so for me, as an actor, uh, John would tell me, alright, today we're going to shoot this, this is why, this is what's going on, he doesn't give a lot of direction, he expects the actors to come fully prepared, which I love, and it gives the actors a chance to go and do their own homework, and then he explains where you are, what you are, uh, what you're looking at, and uh, that I find to be really exciting. I think I have John on the other line. You want me to see if I can hook him in? Oh, uh, yeah, definitely. That'd be awesome. Let me see if I can do that. Hold on a sec. Okay. Oh, cheapers, I don't even know how to do it. <laughs> okay. I honestly, you probably know more about it than me. talked about the levels and the different uh, uh, takes on this movie as as I was watching it and I was thinking that the ending was coming 
it brought upon even more to the story. And I guess in a non-spoiler, in the most non-spoiler way possible, how was it reading the script and then uh, going through the the scenes and everything to that reveal of the ultimate secret? I had a, I had a, you know, we had a lot of long conversations. You know, putting this together was not fast. You know, uh, uh, when John and I first got together about this, when he told me what his ideas were, we had a lot of conversations, and and uh, so I had hoped there was some things coming. I had a feeling they were. Uh, I too am quite the same student of film as John is, but I, I'm I'm pretty up to date uh, on what's going on in film, and uh, so I was really excited. Why? What? It formed my whole character. Hold on one moment. I think I have him on the other line. Um, I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to do a party thing on this thing, though. Wait, hold on one moment. Alright. Oh, okay, I think I lost him again. Uh, how was it working with the cast and crew? We talked to the, about that a little bit, but how was it, uh, the morale on the set, and how was the it... The morale was, you know, this was a project of, um, kind of silly to say that, so trite to say the word, a passion project, but everybody who came on board did it out of their own free will. I mean, you get somebody like Jack McGee, who is working every 12 minutes and has his own show right now called The McCarthy's, which is hysterically funny if anybody hasn't seen it yet. Oh, yeah, it's, it's an awesome show. It's a funny, funny show, and he's so talented. And he came on board, and then Michael Massey came on board, and Kurt Fuller came on board, and each of them, it was very, it was rather funny. When they were all done, they said, what else can we do? And John and I laughed because we didn't want to interrupt their lives. They were doing this favor for us, and you know, we, we had only planned on them to give them one day each because we didn't want to interrupt them. We never knew how much fun they were going to have. They, they were so generous with their time, so generous with their talent. It was, for me, it was like a master class because I got to work with each of them, and working opposite them was a gift, truly a gift. And so to have people like that on set, to have their, their uh, experience and their patience and their um, unasked, for, unasked for guidance and kindness was a miracle. Um, working with Kurt, the in-between takes, he would just give me some, he would, we would just talk. And Michael did the same thing, and so did Jack. Um, we would just talk in between takes, and it made my performance just each each take was better than the last one because they kept giving me balls to hit. You know, they would just they would just throw them up nice and soft and just say smack the hell out of it, kids. And then the rest of the cat, Brian Scano, is immensely talented, oh, yeah. and he showed up and just everybody did. Everybody showed up with their work ready with their characters formed. Um, everybody, it was really surprising. I mean, I've been on a lot of movie sets and there's always somebody or a few people who are sort of there, not there, just sort of gathering their paycheck and moving on. And nobody did that. I mean, everybody showed up and was patient and kind and, and just looking to John to just sort of push them along like a field general, like, you know, where do you want me to go, sir? You know? <laughs> And he would place us where he wanted to place us and like the fuse and say, just go. That and is we did. That's awesome. Um, before we wrap this up, once again, thank you for uh, talking with us. 
Uh, what were your thoughts of when you saw the finished film? I was blown away by it. I was one of the things that I've always known about John is he has an incredible eye. The cinematography in this was spectacular, and the way he caught things, the way the angles, the shadows, the color um, was remarkable, and the pacing. I really enjoyed it. It reminded me a little bit of a European-style film. It's not fast. It feels fast. What it feels like to me, this is what it feels like to me. It feels violent. And there's actually not a lot of violence in the movie. And yet, when you finish watching it, and I've asked a bunch of people this, they said it feels so violent. And I would ask them how much violence was in the film. And they'd laugh and go, I guess not a lot. And I said, no, but the tone of it, is incredibly violent. Oh, so and true. incredibly intense. And I love that, that he created this constant tension from the beginning of the film all the way through to the end. And it, just, it doesn't let you go. You know, it grabs you by the throat and just holds on for a hundred minutes. And uh, you got to be ready to take the ride. And I really loved it. When it was over, I was, I was really impressed with what John accomplished. That was awesome, man. Uh, thank you so much for talking with us. Uh, give our listeners a quick uh, plugs on any upcoming projects you want us to know where we can find you online. Uh, just, uh, right now, it's all focused on Savin Hill, trying to get this out there. Trying, we're waiting on a few festival answers, and hopefully we'll be at a lot more festivals, and uh, we're all trying to get more work. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Thank you so much, and hopefully we can get John back on the phone. <laughs> Um, go ahead and give him a call, tell him that you were talking to me, and then I'll give it like a moment or two, then I'll give him a call. Okay, uh, thanks so much, thanks so much for having me on. That was an amazing conversation, and once again, i got to thank David for taking the time out to talk with me about this great movie. Uh, and I guess, uh, right off the bat, uh, apologies for the, I guess, attempt to call in and attempted uh, three-way call. I, I don't know. Anyways, on to the next conversation we had with the director and writer of The Wolves of Saving Hill, John Benton Hill. Okay, now we are joined by John Benton Hill, the director of Wolves of Saving Hill. How you doing, man? Good, good, good. Uh, glad to be on, buddy. Glad to be on. Hey, thank you for coming on and giving us this opportunity to talk. Uh, I guess the first question out of anything with directors and filmmakers and everything, where did your passion for filmmaking begin? Just being, just being in that environment was just 
That's awesome. Uh, there, there has been a lot of movies lately that have that kind of impact on filmmakers. to watch World of Seven Hill and I gotta admit that was an intense and like dark gritty watch it was a great watch though shows in this movie. Uh, what were your some of your inspirations towards the story of uh, the Wolves of Saban Hill? It, did you pull from true life, or did you just kind of develop the story over time in your mind? Well, I mean, to me, there's a lot of things. You know, there's, there's a lot of elements in the storytelling and the foundation of the story. Um, you know, for me, the personal storytelling of you know these two characters that the two leads. 
the kids, you know, they discovered this body in the woods of, um, you know, um, Sabbath Hill. Uh, it's a, it's, it's, it's a section of Austin, um, in, in the city. And, uh, you know, these two childhood best friends, you know, they basically, you know, they keep this secret and they don't tell anybody. And it's how that, 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 that revealed itself over time, you know, and how it, you know, destroys, you know, the, the, uh, psychologically how it really kind of you know it's almost like that they, they they're imprisoned by the fact that they never spoke about it that they need to confront it years later but this, this 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 thing keeps coming up this this this, this uh you know this event in their in their childhood and how it really has affected them and and that, that they need to address it um and, and it's also inspired by an event um you know, uh, the grief. Uh, in 1975, Martha Moxley in Connecticut was uh, was bludgeoned to death by a two um, murdered murder right outside her home. Really horrifying um, event. And um, I was always, I'm always fascinated by, you know, um, the idea of getting away with something. Uh, you know what I mean? It's like, how do you go about in your life not having that kind of clean? I don't know. How do you go about, you know, an event such as that? And, you know, this, this particular event, this horrifying murder, you know, is um, certainly, uh, you know, they, they, they uh, you know, they, they, I don't know if you know that story at all. Do you know that, the, the events that revolved around that at all? Unfortunately, I have not, but uh, I do plan on reading up on it because it does sound like an interesting yeah. series it, of events. It, it gets into some interesting, you know, connections and things like that that, you know, that I don't want to really... Um, but, uh, but, you know, it, 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 it revolved around the, uh, the arrest of a, uh, an individual, a young kid, years later, when all the evidence uh, came forth that, uh, you know, connections with a very well uh, regarded and certainly a famous uh, family back, back east. Yeah. And uh, so uh, for me, it's, you know, the events that, that you know, it's just, you know, that, was, you know that, 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 that event in and of itself, you know, gave it sort of a foundation. And that if, you know, if this person could get away with murder, you know, um, and I know in the events in the story, how we kind of, you know, play upon a lot of, um, you know, a lot of those elements in terms of, uh, you know, uh, you know, a character that is, you know, seemingly a sociopath and, and uh, the other character that's almost complicit in this event because of, uh, you know, the inability to kind of confront, you know, face and confront this, uh, his path, so to speak. So, yeah, we, you know, we tried to, uh, you know, you know, play along, you know, we tried to play along the, the, the conventions of storytelling and, you know, the craft and the form of film, which is incredibly important to me and, and how to tell that story and, and tell it in a way that is compelling to the viewer, you know, visually, um, you know, the art of cinema, so to speak. And, uh, and, uh, we just try to make a, you know, make a, you know, a very intimate movie, um, you know, regarding these two characters and, and how everybody around them is certainly and obviously affected by that. And that, you know, this past can basically, you know, can corrupt your, you know, soul, so to speak. Definitely. And, and yeah, so, I mean, it is, it is. It's, it's you know, we, we changed the ending. The original ending is very different in the, in, in the, you know, in the script. You know, as we were shooting it, you know, more ideas came up, you know, we, we needed to confront, we needed to ask and answer some of these questions. And some of these things, you know, the, a question that was never asked in the last moment of the movie is, is um, you know, 
I mean, we 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 you know we wanted to approach a movie that was also inspired by Point Blank, um, you know, which is a influential movie for me, and also um, Steven Soderbergh's The Limey, where it has a lot of this, um, you know, it's just it's just there's a lot of it's you know our films deconstruct in a way that just kind of keep the audience sort of emotionally invested in you know the story and. And we wanted to, uh, you know, we wanted to play with a lot of literary, you know, like time, you know, like past and present tense in, in, in the film, and you know, so going back into the past as kids, and you know, how it, at one point, you know, the sense of innocence, how it's really lost, and tragically so. So I mean, you know, it's and again, it's the past not taken. You know, these characters are sort of a complicit in this event as children, and. Um, yeah, so, I, I, you know, I mean, there's a lot of, certainly a lot of influences and a lot of um, impact from, you know, from cinema and literature is another element that we tried to work with. Uh, a lot of, um, you know, we've got a lot of storytelling elements in there from, uh, you know, a lot of mythology and, 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 and so forth. So, I mean, colors certainly represent, you know, a lot of factors in the movie and, you know, a lot of motifs and things of that nature and certainly... You know, the, the, the weapon in the movie that comes up, it's always present, so to speak. Um, um, so these things, you know, life has got a way that at some point you gotta, you got to confront your past. You know, you can't kind of sweep it under the rug. You can't, you know. You never hide from it. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Um, with, as we discussed a little bit about the ending, and you said that there was an alternate ending that you guys kind of uh, evolved from that one, what uh, made you decide on the the climax of the movie, I guess in the most spo- non-spoiler way, spoiler way possible, I guess, if you can explain that? Well, I mean, we had, you know, we really turned it down to these two. We wanted to try to make it as intimate as possible, and that the, you know, the events obviously revolve around these two two lead characters and you know we had you know we had you know Jack you know we had uh, uh, Paul Paul Carapotis and Tim Desenard and great actors in the movie and you know they had a pivotal role in that and then the final scene and um, and uh, the detectives with uh, Brian Scannell uh, one of the leads um, so I mean I feel like to, to, to some degree we wanted to just pare it down to to an event that would keep it um uh uh, we wanted to make the most impact and do it in a way that was not as 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 I, I don't know how to say it, but as as direct as possible, as opposed to this ending where we were going to shoot. You know, with uh, the economics became a factor. We felt we could say more with less, and we felt like you know that this this cyclical event in the past now just starts over again. You know. Yeah. Uh, so that that. That to me was a was a big factor to be able to you know um, conclude the movie with one of the you know with the daughter basically arriving at the house and this 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 whole the, the, you know that this whole event starts over again you know yes definitely and this lead character can kind of you know he can walk in between the raindrops in life and seemingly never get caught and he has that mindset too yeah and he'll never he'll never get caught. Where Brian Scannell's character, it's, it's, you know, he has these, you know, these characters that, you know, with uh, Tanya Cornelisi and, uh, and, Ma- and Megan Davis, are, you know, they're, 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 they're in his imagination and haunting him, you know, it's like the little girl on his path and his wife who's, you know, 
the film and what happens to her. So they they show up. You know, he's basically slipping into madness. He's being haunted you know? by his own demons. <laughs> right, and so he, you know, he obviously is over the course of time in the film that he needs to, you know, he now needs to, you know, he's trying to seek shelter and he's trying to have others help him out. You know, and trying to walk through what he's walking through, but ultimately he's got to confront his past by, you know, through, you know, you know, by, you know, standing toe to toe with his best friend and these events that happened in his past and, and so forth. And uh, so, yeah, so we, you know, with the ending, we, we, we try to do it as economically as possible and we try to do it, you know, to try to do it as, you know, I, I think, as poetically as possible too with, uh, you know, with, uh, with the environment that we wanted to, you know, to tell the story. And we wanted to end it in a way that was, you know, we, we ended on the image of the little girl at the end where the, the camera kind of just slides away you know, the shot, the composition of the film, you know, like in a moment in time, like, you know, you know, it's that, 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 that this life is, that all of our lives are, you know, it's, you know, can be lost without, you know, certain decisions that we make in our lives. Yeah, in a matter of moments, it could just be like that. Exactly. Like in one moment, a decision that can be made that can alter the, the rest of your life. Exactly. And, uh, you know, I think that the, you know, we, we had an opportunity to shoot back east in Boston with the scene that we shot, you know, with the kid, the kids, you know, the two young children, and then the discovery of the body, and, and then, you know, ultimately the, the story in and of itself, you know, filters to L.A. where one of the lead characters moves out here with, uh, you know, with, uh, his, you know, with his, uh, his wife, who's David Cooley's uh, sister, so... So, and as you know, events, you know, it's, those events really bring them all together to this funeral. And, um, so, I mean, uh, you know, we tried to certainly try to, you know, make a story that was as visually and as compelling as possible within the economics of, you know, what we could, you know, make a feature film. And it certainly started off shooting scenes and then it developed. And then we realized that we have something that was, uh, you know, inspiring enough to, to keep moving forward and and, uh, and 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 keep developing the story in which we could do economically and, and we arrived at a feature and we really you know we're, we're everybody's work is amazing and, it, and all the hard work and talent you know we're all you know I'm very proud of everybody's work in the movie and you know really group of, terrific group of people to work with no question about it definitely and it, the the t- hard work and the great output of it, it definitely shows on the screen, and I attested that from when I watched it. Yeah, I mean, again, you know, making any kind of film is, uh, you know, it's uh, it's not easy, you know, but you got to have a, a, you know, you want to be inspired to, you know, to go out there and, um, you know, get something made. You know, I, I, the question came up with the Q&A and, at the San Diego Film Festival and I was just trying to really you know you can get you can sort of you can get overwhelmed by the economics of making a movie and I, I just you know I, I implored you know people that were out there maybe some filmmakers in the, in the audience that you know don't don't let that stand in your way you know um, you know write something go out and shoot something that you know that you're you're motivated to do and that you're inspired by and then you have a sense of commitment to do that and, and just go out there and you know take care of it and because uh, you never know where it's going to kind of take place there's always kind of these three elements of making movies like the writing the script there's the shooting of it and there's the you know the editing of it so to some degree it's 
it's always like three different movies. And uh, that's certainly true in our case where the film, you know, things came up. You know, and I start, you know, when, when we cast everybody in the movie, I started rewriting it for the actors, for their specific kind of cadences and things of that nature. So, um, and we had great, great support with some really notable actors like Jack McGee came in and Kurt Bullard, Michael Massey, and, you know, Paul Carafonis and a variety of others, Jim Design, and, you know, everybody knew each other from one degree, or, you know, either worked for each other or were friends. So through the development of the screenplay and having readings, you know, people were, you know, they were bored from, you know, the first reading. And uh, so we developed it, started shooting it and kept developing it. And uh, yeah, certainly enough, you know, getting into some of these festivals has been really a, an amazing experience. And, uh, you know, we continue to do that with uh, some more festivals coming up, you know, uh, in, the, in, the, in the next year. And uh, so we just, you know, we're looking forward to, uh, you know, having, having more success with the film and, uh, you know, our end game is to, you know, get it in good, good hands and distribution and, and move forward to the next film, which originally was going to be the thing that we wanted to shoot first, but it's just, you know, certainly the economics of this film called Killing Jane Doe, um, you know, we just, you know, we, you know, we, we, we all got together and we wanted to make a movie and we just felt like this was the best way to do this, a character-driven story that we can, that we can go out and shoot and, do a good job of it to say the least but some of the other screenplays that I have you know it's certainly it can get expensive but needless to say if you want to go out and shoot something do it in a way that you can you know you can find a way in which to do that and we certainly I believe we certainly did that with the whole of the seven hill definitely man it, like I said before you you can tell the passion is with this film um, John I gotta thank you so much for sitting down and talking to us on the phone again um do you want to? Do you have anything you want to plug with us, like the upcoming festivals and where we can find you online? Well, yeah, we got a website. Um, it's uh, it's it's uh, thewolvesofsavinhill.wix.backslashthewolvesofsavinhill. <laughs> That's our website. You know, it's got you know all our contact information and things of that nature, and you know the trailer, and and then you know on Facebook, you know certainly social media today, right? That's the way to get the word out there but we've got a web page uh, a social media page on Facebook it's just the Wolves of Seven Hill uh, and I certainly appreciate all the you know support on that and uh, you know with festivals we submit to you know to some of the notable ones obviously the Sundance and several others so we are you know we have our submissions in there and we have submissions back east in Boston area and, and, and in New England um, you know so we're, we're looking forward to uh, you know to to, to those festivals and uh, you know right now we're, we're in the process of uh, you know polishing up our next script which is Killing Jane Doe and uh, we've got a lot of great talent that have already committed to the project and uh, you know it's, it's you know that's our you know our focus is just to keep moving forward and you know making you know really quality uh, quality films and interesting movies and um, so yeah so it's uh it's certainly an exciting time for us for uh, for the movie, and this is I, I, I'm, I'm again I'm really proud of everybody's everybody all the actors and, and crew members and uh, all the support on the uh, the world of Seven Hill, and certainly could not have done that with uh, with all their great talent, no doubt. That's awesome, man. Uh, from all of us here, we definitely wish you guys the best of luck with the next journey through the festivals, and and I said it once, and I'll say it again. Honestly, man, thank you for coming on Nowhere California. 
Oh, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. It's been, it's been great. I really appreciate it, buddy. That about wraps things up. Uh, some great conversations talking about this movie that needs to be seen. It's called The Wolves of Saving Hill. Check it out whenever you can if you happen to be hitting a film festival and it's showing. Take the time out. Give it a watch. I know I've said it multiple times during this episode, and I can't say it enough. Uh, thank you, David Cooley and John Benton Hill, for sitting down and talking with us. And a very special thanks to Clint Morris for setting things up. This isn't the last time you're going to hear about the wolves on Nowhere, California, so stay tuned.